Today's show is sponsored by Supreme Whiskey Stones, an LEO business specializing in the best whiskey accessories to protect and serve your favorite pours. From whiskey stones to customer laser etched glassware, they take pride in what they do and love making their customers happy. Check them out on Instagram at Supreme Whiskey Stones, at SupremeWhiskeyStones.com, or through the various military and first responder organizations they sponsor. Cheers. So when are you going to start rocking the uh, the new No Yank tank from Duluth Trading Company? I mean, they've been supporting you with pants for a while. I didn't get my pants from them. Nah, I don't know about all this. Look pretty Duluthy to me. My pants were Under Armour pants. So you're not getting the No Yank tank? You don't want someone to yank your tank? I mean, have you seen these commercials? <laughs> no. Oh, they're hilarious. They show these chicks in like tank tops working out ruggedly in wilderness and whatever on a farm. And it's the no yank tank because it stays down, you know, below their hips or waist, never rides up on them. And every time I laugh and think, like, I need to get Edward some of these no yank tanks. He looked really good when he's hunched over, all kind of bent looking funny, trying to take a picture with his pants sagging. Let's see how the no yank tank applies here. Well, no, so my pants only look like they're sagging because I don't have an ass. <laughs> like, that's the problem. If I had an ass, my pants wouldn't look like they were sagging. But they always look like they're sagging because I have no butt. Well, bud, I don't know what to tell you. Start doing some squats, working on your glutes. I try. I I could squat a hell of a lot of weight, and it still didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) No, find find the No Yank Tank commercial. It's funny. Does it work on toddlers so they can't, like, pull your shirt and stretch it out? Hey, buddy. I mean, I can give you, you know, parenting tips all day long. My name is John Edwards, and with me is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Zeke, you're taking a sip of your drink, but say hello to the folks. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. It has been a crazy weekend. You were a little sick this week. That's why we're getting this one out late. Are you better now? I'm getting there, man. These allergies, honestly, are, I've grew up in the South, been here all uh, 30, how many ever years. I don't remember too many this bad. I will credit my, uh, the lady that does my hair. Her theory simply was we never got a hard freeze this year. And the fact we never got a hard freeze, nothing ever truly died. So there's just so much more, I guess, germination and pollination going on. Um, but the past week, I mean, I've literally thrown the entire kitchen sink at myself. You can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm not the uh, the normal high pitched, sometimes raspy Zeke. I'm just congested. Well, what I thought was funny is you sent me a picture. It looked like you got punched in the face, and I wrote back to you. I'm like, did did someone hit you in the face? Like, are you okay? And you're like, no, man. I'm just doped up on like sinus meds. Yeah, that, I think that was my Saturday night picture because we were going to try to get together on Sunday, and I was like, you think this guy is going to be in any kind of shape to put down anything? Like your cheeks Audio, were so puffy. Or visual? Like, no. Your cheeks were so puffy, you looked like you were a chipmunk. Like, I thought somebody literally hit you in the face, and you sw- and you were all swollen up. To anyone else uh, currently dealing with this saga. You, you have my, my sympathies, and I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, it was a crazy week last week. Let's catch everybody up a little bit, because you and I did something. We went to the Nashville Cocktail Festival. Now, that was pretty awesome. I went to the kickoff party on Tuesday. 
We both went to the bourbon dinner at Husk on Thursday with Jim Beam. We had some great stuff. We, we got to try Legion. We got to go through the whole Beam family history with Beth Burrows. She took us through. We even had Baker's. How awesome is that? The Beam did a tasting, and it was a, a tasting from somebody at Beam, and they busted out Baker's, which you and I say is one of the most underappreciated bourbons that are that is out there. Oh, I mean, it's my favorite Beam. Granted, we didn't get much detail, so I don't think we're, we're hiding anything, but I did at least bring up the point that, uh, you know, how come Baker's gets absolutely no love? It's not even mentioned on the website. You know, what's going on here? And... Beth did allude to something maybe coming to finally give Baker's a little more notoriety. This year is going to be Baker's year. I, I immediately asked where we could sign up for a barrel pick, and that didn't go very far. <laughs> um, but we will keep asking over and over and over so that if one day it does ever happen, I even went, you know, a little, I guess, cheesy, so to speak, and said, well, my last name is Baker. Who else should be doing a Baker's pick? We should be doing the first Baker's pick. It should be a dad's drinking bourbon, baker's bottle, or baker's batch of bakers. And I even almost went to the point, but I held back on this one because it was too far a reach because there was Carl Beam and then Baker Beam. Well, my dad and my dad's dad are both Carl Baker. So Carl Baker Beam? I mean, they had the Carl and the Baker down. I got two out of the three. I got to be in a running here. I know. Maybe you're related (laughs) somewhere. That'd be interesting. That would be, it would just be another line down the long, long, long Beam family tree. The other thing I will say is on that kickoff party, not to jump around a little bit, but that kickoff party, I got to have some Armagnac and Foursquare rum, and there were some really, really good, we we put all the pictures up on Instagram when we were out and drinking and tasting stuff. Foursquare actually has a white rum called Probitas or Probitas. I can't pronounce... You're, you're going to get me yeah, on this no, look once you find it struggling out. with a word. But it's P-R-O-B-I-T-A-S. So Probitas or Probitas. What if one of them's silent? Could be. But... Probitas. It's a, it's a white rum, and it's great in cocktails. That is going to be dropping later this year in Nashville and I know uh, around the, the nation was really, really good. I had some of the Foursquare 2005, which is great. I have a bottle of that, really like it. There was some good Armagnac there that always kind of makes us perk our ears. And then Friday, you went to an event. I didn't get to go to that one, but which one did you go to on Friday? It was the history of cocktails, but it really shown how, you know, a lot of these bartenders, both infamous and or, you know, famous, were just such a very uh, eccentric type personalities, some of their uniqueness, quirkiness, etc. It was really interesting to hear, and without rambling too long on it, uh, one of the better things I really took away from it was literally, you know, just like fashion, media, everything else that drives us as people in a society, cocktails were the same way. Certain, you know, main bases fell in and out of fashions. There were different types of gin, different types of rum. I mean, rarely was bourbon really ever used in a lot, it seemed. And, and even one of the most famous ones also made the laziest old-fashioned known to man. I think literally just uh, muddled up a sugar cube, put in a little water to simply, uh, I guess, you know, immersify the sugar into the water, 
poured in some bourbon and some uh, bitters or something, and then just dropped a cherry in, and then just shook it, which I, I've heard was also frowned upon. Um, it, it was honestly a really neat. If you think about it, right, when, when people talk about bourbon drinks prior to the bourbon boom coming back, it was either a Manhattan or an old fashioned. Well, the best thing that I really liked from it, and I would love to have known this in my college years because I could use it as a simple defense, was that somewhere before the 1900s, 1910-ish period, it wasn't uncommon or unfrowned upon. You had two types of cocktails. You had a morning cocktail and then an evening-type oh. cocktail. Morning, much more softer, frou-frou, but inevitably there's some hair of the dog in there and apparently it was pretty much commonplace that everyone knew you got up in the morning and you know you fixed your breakfast and you fixed your cocktail and then everybody went to work and you were at a level where you performed <laughs> but you know nobody pointed the finger at anybody else kind of thing and you know so i, I honestly i laughed so hard at that just thinking oh so in the 1890s there was the, mo- the the morning set of cocktails people could use and then the evening ones for after you got home and they had the stress relief it was something to get you going man i, I was like this was college. Now I know why there were so many accidents at factories. Well, no, that was another thing, too, was, you know, they talked about how back then nobody drove. They used, um, you know, a horse and buggy, et cetera. Well, if you're driving the horse and buggy. Pretty sure you got to be pretty far gone to not drive a horse and a buggy. <laughs> I mean, don't you just kind of pop the reins and let the horse do the work? Well, you pull one way or the other if you want the thing to turn. I guess so. But... Circling back, I will say to the uh, the Jim Beam, two two fun takeaways I had from that was a that repeal batch at eighty six proof has a lot of flavor. I know not everyone loves the the signature Jim Beam nuttiness, but if that's your thing and you want a inexpensive, nice flavored drinker and you don't have to do a darn thing to it, you should seriously look at grabbing one of those bottles. I've had it before and. Just kind of, I guess, slept on it, but it, it caught my eye again. I immediately went to Super Troopers when we had that. I was like, candy bars. <laughs> <laughs> and another neat thing, did you pick up uh, when Beth mentioned the, the jelly bean t- or test, so to speak? Yes. I even tried that at home on Amy. It worked out great. She found out I learned it at a bourbon event. <laughs> She wasn't as impressed after that. Well, I was. I was uh, she was impressed. I remembered it. But. Well, you you tell everybody what she said. It's neat because you don't taste with your nose. This simply proves nosing is somewhat to even more of a degree required to get up flavors. So if you're at home and you have some jelly beans, take one, take two, whatever you want to do. Pinch your nose. Put the jelly bean in your mouth. Start chewing it. See how many tasting notes you write down. See what you think it is. Midway into chew, open your nose. Boom. There's the cornucopia. Well, it's like 80% of your taste actually comes from smell. The way that your sensory system works, it's almost like your nose tells your taste buds what they should be tasting. I'm just glad when I change a diaper, I can't taste it. <laughs> True. That, 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 there's our dad joke for the day. That is our dad joke for the day. <laughs> and surprisingly enough, it did not come from me. I will try to keep this quick. Closing out the beam night. I mean, Husk had great food. Thank you so much. Thank you to Beth Burroughs. Thank you to John over at Port Taste for, for getting the Nashville Cocktail Festival together and inviting us to that. That was a whole lot of fun. We learned a lot. I think the other thing I want to mention, too, is I finally got to go to the tiki thing. 
on Saturday, it was awesome. You really missed out. Every drink had rum in it. They did have a couple of bourbon people there, but they were off at a corner uh, by themselves. <laughs> Bullet did, was there and did a, a bourbon lemonade drink. Beam was there. Basil Hayden's was there. Everything was a lot of rum, and it was just good. There were some really, really good bartenders there making awesome drinks. Our friends over at Oak Steakhouse and Gertie's 404 Kitchen, they were both there. Those were probably my two favorite drinks out of the whole afternoon were uh, Oak Steakhouse and, and Gertie's. They just really, really came strong. So is there going to be a Dad's Tiki-themed festival this summer? Well, I think Dad's can delve into cocktails a little bit more. we got a fair amount of backyard back here if you want to you know, do a uh, makeshift build-out on a tiki bar. I will do it. I think it might be something for your renters. Maybe they would like having a tiki bar back there. Well, only if you know you're going to service it. We can put like a you know a round table on the uh, the Four Roses barrel, Jenny's G- birthday barrel. <laughs> can I get tips? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So just thank you to John over at Port Taste. Thank you to everybody for letting us go hang out for the week at the Nashville Cocktail Festival. Find out more about them because they do other things other than this festival and Nashville really has a big and vibrant cocktail scene that people need to check out. And it's something that Zeke and I are going to check out even more. We'd love to have John on the show and talk about cocktails and what Nashville has to offer with cocktails and just about cocktails in general, because for us, it's just learning and growing and doing more, but that's what we did last week. And I know we talked about that for a while this week. I got to tell you, and we have it here poured, our Old Elk dropped at Elixir Spirits. And that's something that we picked with Elixir Spirits, Battleground Cigars, and Dad's Drinking Bourbon. We all got together and we picked this. And man, we just got it in. This is coming in at $56.99. It's down at Elixir Spirits. It is a five-year-old, give or take, Four per the age. Or oh, label. it was four to six, right? Those are blends, though. This is single barrel. Uh, is this is this four? Just says minimum of four on the back. Minimum of four, but they said more around five. But this is coming in at one hundred nine point nine proof, fifty four point nine five ABV. What do you think about this? I will say, fresh cracked, fresh off the bottle. It seemed a smidge warmer than I remembered. And granted, you know, 1099 is not necessarily that high of a proof, but I do think with younger products, you know, the proof doesn't have to be as high to come off with as much, not necessarily heat, but astringency, prickliness, however you want to look at it. Um, Similar things with, you know, New Riff and some other cash strength offerings of new guys or younger products, rather. So I sat there and kind of tinkered with it, and granted, the, the original bottle we had that they provided to us with the review on a while back was 88 proof, I think. And I mean, it was just a, a crush. I, it did not last me very long at all, admittedly. So I thought, well, let's do something. We don't normally do a ton, but let's toss a little, you know, a few drops of water in there. I was very surprised though. When I walked in tonight and you're like, have you tried the old elk with water? Oh yeah. No, no. It's like I said, Tark always gives me a hard time. Like, what well, did you try it with the water? I'm like, I like to like it how it is most days. <laughs> 
But, so I, I'm honestly, just a few drops. I don't think it dropped it more than 102, 103 proof-wise. But it just completely goes into, I can't pinpoint what, you know, carnival food this is. But somewhere between the sugars off the corn, the the malted barley basically coming across as a, uh, you know, a, a light milk chocolate kind of thing. There's something at a carnival that this fits the profile of. And then it's just kind of creamy inside of that. If you have it without any water, it is still good. You get that malt. It's just there's a spice bite that, that will get you on the end of the palate as it's going into the finish. You know, when you first have it, you go, oh, I get the malt. This is going down smooth, which some people hate that word, but Old Elk actually prefers that word. <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, wow, this is really easy for a 110 proof. And then you kind of get that, it's like a snake that jumps up and gets you. It goes like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm here to bite you. You put that water in, and the best way I can describe it is, have you ever had milk chocolate from Europe opposed to, like, if you go over to Britain and you have milk chocolate opposed to American milk chocolate? I mean, I've had it when I was over there, but I'm pretty sure it was probably when I was in Amsterdam. And Well, <laughs> it's a million times creamier and silkier than American chocolate. And it was one of those things that the first thing I thought of when I took a sip after you put some water in there is I was like, this is silky and creamy chocolate. It's like having a Galaxy Bar or a Cadbury Dairy Milk from Britain. Interesting. I've never had a Galaxy Bar. I'll have to look into this. Next time I go over there, I'll have to bring you back one. Because once you have chocolate over there, it changes your life and it ruins chocolate over here for you. Well, I appreciate the generous offer, but I think I'm just going to look into other means because I don't see you going to Europe anytime too soon. Never say never. Used to have to go over there like once every couple of months. I know. Just say. That was the good old days, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, we talk about this because we do really like it. We don't want you to sleep on Old Elk. We know that there's going to be a lot of picks. Even if you don't get this one that we were involved in, you are going to start seeing Old Elk picks come up across the country. Don't sleep on them. That's no, no, not at all. And New Riff has definitely gotten the hype for a, a four-year-ish product. And not to take anything away from them by any means, but both Old Elk and Deconic, we both think, are, are doing some really good things as well as far as young distilling on juice places. I know their markets can be uh, variable, but you know if you see one, especially some of the higher proof stuff that you know you can tinker with and it's too hot, you can always take it down. I, I'd say it's worth giving a whirl. And if you do grab an old elk, because John and I are also confused on this, please look at the top. Originally and forever, I had thought it was supposed to mimic a cross-section of wood. Like an elk tree. There's an elk tree? Yeah. Oh, well, I never knew about that. I just thought it was a cross-section of wood. But as I was stickering bottles today at, at work and some of my employees saw the bottle and were inquiring, they thought it looked more like a cross-section of an antler, which kind of seems like a brutal thing to do maybe, but now that I can I see where they're this. coming from with it. No, now that I look at this, this is definitely an antler. Like, it's not an actual antler, it's made of wood. Yeah. I think what messes you up is that it's made of wood, but it's made to look like an antler. I'm just laughing at the fact of, like, you and I, we're going to scrutinize a bottle probably more than 
my lay coworker, and there's like, oh yeah, old elk, sweet, got an elk antler as part of the top. That's real cool. I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, no, <laughs> man. Before we get into the main event, I, it's not often that you have an index card here with stuff that you want to talk about. So I want to make sure that we talk about all of these things that you want to talk about before we get into it. Uh, we don't have to go into all of them. We can save some for later things. I just like writing down thoughts when I can. Can I, can I look at your card? Yeah, you can give it a gander. I want to give not, it a not, gander. Not a goose. We've already got an elk and an owl in the room, so I don't want more than you know, two animals. Okay. I do have one thing I want to ask you about. So you have something down here that says motivational speaker dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Some of this stuff we've already talked about. You, you have talking about OWA. I think we've covered that already. I do have to give a big shout out to our buddy Craig McKinney. Him and I go back to being college buddies, and he's actually pretty active in the bourbon community. He's a great guy. Love the dude. He sent you some samples. First off, I got to mention that he sent them in a beach body box because he is beach body fit. If you watch some of the videos that he puts out, he is beach body fit. Well, sad fun with that at work because it came in Monday when I was sick. Get a text from one of the texts. Hey, you got some box in there that says beach body. That was immediately like, sweet. Been waiting to wax my ass all spring. <laughs> You know, you keep getting the dots, the yeah. dots. No, 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 no. Actual text comes through, and then dots, and dots. You know, they're like, man, is he being serious or like just asshole right now? Like he's sick. Surely he's not making jokes on a sick day off. Like, what kind of person does that? And you were like, I have a Brazilian beach body. No, I was just like, what? You ever seen a guy wax his ass for? It feels better in the summertime. You get in the pool, it's all nice and chilly and cool. I mean, I ran with this for a while. I was putting the glass in my mouth, but I'm really glad I didn't finish it because I was about to spit up all over you. Well, for the record, I, I don't use wax anywhere. I got entirely too much body hair. I think that'd be about the same for you, but when you can mess with the staff, why not? I tried it once. That's a story for another day. Yeah. So speaking of this, motiv- what's motivational speaker? Motivational speaker. So one of the guys I work with found out today he's taking the next couple of days off because some motivational speaker's in town. He's going to the municipal to hear him speak. And I'm kind of listening to him and, you know, slowly asking questions. I, I try to slow play these things. And it's like, so what do you plan to get out of this? He's like, uh, I think it's more geared for like entrepreneurs and business types, but... I just wanted to be able to, you know, to motivate me. I'm like, well, it is a motivational speaker. I don't see where the problem should be. Then later on, he's talking. He's like, man, I really wish this was one day instead of two, though. I got to look, and it starts at 7 a.m. both days. You know how hard it's going to be to get up and be there at 7 a.m. both days? I'm like, yeah, they call him motivation. <laughs> he needs what you signed up for there, buds. He needs somebody to motivate him out of bed to go get motivated. Another employee sits next to, and we kind of carry on throughout the day. Pharmacy world's pretty boring. I'm a few guys that may know what that is and can appreciate it. You do what you do to can get through the, the struggle. So we keep talking about, you know, being motivated. I'm like, you know, why are you paying somebody to be motivated? All you need to do is just, you know, it's like smoking the bandit, son, on eastbound and down. <laughs> Put that hammer down and give it hell. <laughs> well, then here comes the other employee that rarely says two hardly words of anything that's one of my favorite songs and just hits play and starts loud as hell <laughs> I'm laughing to no end she's jamming out and he's like I mean I guess that might kind of work 
I'm like, I guess nothing. Just get off your ass and do it, son. I'm sure that story was a lot funnier <laughs> if you were there. But what I will tell you, too, is that Craig sent a Knob Creek from Lotus Liquor. It was barreled on 32404, bottled on 62718, is floor two in Warehouse W. We're sipping on that. So I do want to let you guys know we've had a lot of banter today. We've had more banter than normal, but we are drinking at the same time. And maybe that is adding to our banter today. On first sip of this Knob Creek, there was something that was a little off. Now it's just a chocolate bomb. Try having it now. I don't know if I trust you on that because when I had it before, I mean, it was like biting into a railroad, railroad timber. I didn't get like a railroad timber. I got more chocolate on it. Railroad? Railroad? <laughs> Hair roars? <laughs> railroad. No? It's not your favorite Knob Creek pick. <clears throat> All right, so whoever was asking us questions the other day on our Ask Us Anything, that is not a pick that Zeke likes this year. I mean, it's weird. It's super sweet up front, almost like cognac sweet. And then this huge wood bite just comes in. I mean, almost, I don't know, it's like inserting a splinter into your tongue. I didn't get the wood. Son. I got more chocolate than wood. Maybe it's that uh, European stuff you were talking about earlier, because <laughs> Zeke ain't never had no chocolate like that one. <laughs> well, now that we've seemed to get through everything, let's talk about our main event. I know most of you have probably tuned into this podcast thinking, I want to hear them talk about Confiscated, and we talked about nothing for 20 minutes or more. Confiscated is the first Kentucky Owl that is going to be available in all 50 states. It's 96.4 proof. 48.2% ABV. It is non-age stated. However, Kentucky Owl has come out and said it's a blend of 6, 9, 10, and 12-year distillates. We don't know where it came from as normal Kentucky Owl's products right now are sourced. We don't know the actual source of that, but it does say it is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. So this is something that was made in Kentucky might not have been made at the same distillery. It might have been a blend of distillate from different distilleries, but everything was made in Kentucky. Right now, the price of this is one twenty-five. However, I have seen pictures online of it at ninety-nine ninety-nine. Costco, Costco has cases. Costco has what you need. And the thing that sucks is the Nashville Costco. I'm going to go right on record right oh, now. I'm fixing to tee you up for it. The Nashville Costco is shit. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> the Nashville Costco never has anything. Like, people in California post pictures of Costco and they have everything for hella cheap. Well, they use boil, a California down to uh, some. Costco liquors are Costco owned and some are independently owned just inside of a Costco. Yeah, and the ones that are in Nashville are all independently owned. Oh, I thought the independently owned ones were the better ones. No. Oh, no shit. It's the Costco ones that are the better. Costco gives you deals, man. The independently owned ones don't give you the deals that Costco gives you. All this time I've been confused. 
Yeah. Either way, I hadn't been shopping there because it's on the opposite side of town for me. So. Yeah, you're a Sam's man. Oh, yeah. It's two minutes from work. On the west side of town where I am, Costco's right there. But you got to flip it and reverse it. It's the Costco-owned ones that give you the deals. It's uh-huh. the independent ones. But I'm sick of seeing all these people from California post pictures up like, oh, look at everything I have that's $50 cheaper than where you get it everywhere else. I mean, at the end of the day, though, you factor in ta- the other taxes and things. Yeah. We're still winning. I don't know. Our tax is still 9.25%. Look up tax in California. It's not cheap. Is it higher than almost 10? Cumulatively, I think between the various taxes, yes. Other than the weather, we're winning. Between state and local tax, yes. But before we dive into notes here as well, I wanted to tee up that as much as people pick on stuff for being a non-age-stated label... I'm really coming around to enjoying a non-age-stated label where the producer will come out and say what it is on the side. They just don't go into that on the label, but it opens up so many more doors and windows, especially from a blending standpoint. You know, we talked about it with the Russells and why they don't do it. And the same thing for Dixon here. 100% appreciate being transparent and putting it out there on the side for folks to know what it is. But when you're blending more so than ever, Age doesn't matter, and sometimes you're going to want a super young product, possibly, to balance out with an older product. Well, look at and the book crushes you. Look at the bookers that came out last year, where where we reviewed that, and come to find out they used a heck of a lot of 14 year bookers that they wanted to put in there, but it didn't taste right, so they put a bunch of younger stuff in there too. Oh yeah, it's one of those things where. I totally understand why a distillery would want to put some younger stuff in there. The only thing I'm curious about, and I talk about it in my notes a lot, is I wish I knew the mash bill. I wish I knew the percentage of malt, rye, corn that came into this one because it's hitting various tasting notes for me. I got my own theories there, too. We can uh, we can progress. As we go through, well, t- I don't really care about the, the age as much as you think. No. I- I'm with you. Product. Product. I give it. I give it five, ten years, tops. No, well, I won't say nobody. But majority of people buying, they're no longer going to care about an age statement, at least in a bourbon or a rye product. A lot of people really do care, though. They do, but are they our generation? I don't know if they're our generation. You're the Beatles fan. It's, <laughs> it's. Are you caring? That's more the who. Oh, the who oops. is my generation. Shit. But it really comes down to. What is the final product? Like, I think when Dixon Deadman goes to blend something, he's not sitting there going, oh, let me make sure I have certain ages in here. It's what am I going to put together that is going to come up with the best product? Yeah. But in the chats and the circles we're in, how many people look at you and go, the first thing they mention is the age of a product versus 20 years ahead of us. I feel like it comes up regularly. But I think it it also comes down to what we've tasted and we know that older does not actually equal better. So if you look at some of the stuff that's out there, somebody's like, oh, yeah, I have a 14-year MGP. And it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It might be over-oaked at that point. How long? And then you get into the nuances where here's where the rabbit hole of bourbon (laughs) comes. It's like, well, how long was it aged in Lawrenceburg versus being aged someplace else? If it was aged in Lawrenceburg 14 years, it may not be half bad. But if it's been cooked out in a rick for 14 years, then maybe, you know, it might be too oaky. You never know. 
Fair enough. Let's give the people what they want. Yeah, give the people what they want. You go ahead and start us off. Nose-wise, I'm just going to throw out a faint as being all of my notes somewhat in a general manner. But there's a slight rye presence. At some point, I picked up blue cotton candy. And yes, it was the blue. <laughs> I, trust me, that's where the fat kid, the uh, old, old factory senses went. Also got some cream de mint at times. And finally, I uh, really seemed to dial in on a green star bright. What's a star bright? It's like a spearmint, but the ones that are different colors. Okay. Look at me teaching you something there, buds. I know. I'm learning something new. Palette-wise, seems somewhat light, but right at the front, there was just a flash of corn and sugars. But, I mean, literally, it was faster than the flash. Like, it hit, and it was like, oh, and then, oh, oh. Behind that, an enjoyable rye kick popped up, kind of moved into a very, you know, faintish, again, tobacco space. Uh, kind of winded down to some of a rye hug. And then finally at the finish, it, it really circled back, for me at least, to that green star bright flavor of a, a mingling between sugars and a little bit of just a green rye mintiness. It's laughable because John and I have talked about this a couple times offline. And for the longest, I've really thought this might be a rye. <laughs> and every time he goes, no, dumbass, it's a bourbon. And I said, oh. You've said it about... A hundred times. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, you, you keep correcting me, and I just keep not recognizing it. But There's a pattern here, folks. I do keep correcting Zeke a lot. <laughs> but And I'll still say, I, I I get a very strong rye influence off of this. Not enough, per se, to call it a rye whiskey, but the stronger notes that I get are all on the rye side of the coin, at least. That's fair. Anything else? Uh, not till later. So, the nose for me on this... As normal, it is yin and yang here. I got fruity and floral, very approachable, almost a little bit of candy apples in there with the caramel and fruit. There's something else in there that I can't quite pinpoint exactly what it is, but there's just something else besides that candy apple, fruity floral side of it. Maybe a little bit of malt on the nose too taste i said vanilla a little spicy wondering what the rye percentage is on the mash because my mouth is definitely tingling with cinnamon and spice i'm getting a little bit of s'more on it as it goes through but it's like caramel toffee it's like s'mores if you used a heath bar instead of an actual hershey's chocolate i'm wondering what the malt percentage is too I'm getting a move from the s'more into almost like a malt aspect of it as it keeps going. Finish, I said, chocolate, tobacco, and leather linger in the mouth. It's like a smack your lips. It's almost a little dryness on the, the very, very end. It doesn't linger super, super long, but it was enough that it was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is that dry, like that's where the age, I think, really came in those those 10 and 12 years. You can see that. You know, trying to visualize as you run through the notes is uh, always fun for me and whether or not I'm, I make awkward faces or not. <laughs> this time there really wasn't any. And I, I think I see where you are with the, the fruit floral possibility. I could easily see a, a green apple and the tartness that also kind of yields from the greenness to a rye 
but then the sugars that I got when I, you know, specifically blue cotton candy. Yeah. You, you know, it, it's not the pink one. It's, it's not that overly sweet. It, it's no, if, it, if it. it was a candy apple, it was a green candy apple. Yeah. It wasn't like a red delicious candy apple. Yeah, when apple. you said that, I immediately saw the green. So I'm with you there. One of the more noticeable things I really picked up on it was, was the tobacco. And it's there. Yeah. It's not always there, but when it comes in, it comes in strong. And interestingly enough, led me to laughing but also be on the same page of what is this mash and then the the add world really kicked in hard and my my train of thought is is this even a consistent mash uh, i even wrote down i think this is one part rye blend one part probably heavy tobacco and i would empirically guess that was the 12 year but just the way the the flavor profiles mingle across the board and I would assume at the end of the day, as long as you end up with 51% corn. No, if they're putting in blends, right? So it says Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Mm-hmm. So everything they put in has to be a bourbon. It has to be over 51% corn. However, that doesn't mean there aren't high rye mashes that are thrown in and low rye mashes. It's also one of those things where we don't know what the percentage of the breakdown is. So we know that there's 6, 9, 10, and 12 we have no idea what percentages are going into that 6, 9, 10, and 12. No, but, I mean, literally, it's it's at least dialed in to hit several different spots. But, none but that's of them... also the fun of a blend. Not to, not to interrupt you, but the fun of a blend is you can sit there and go, hey, I think this high-rye mash bill needs to be in there 50%. This low-rye mash bill needs to be in there 15 So as you're going, you can mess it around, not saying we know what the percentages are, but it gives us something where we can really start to discuss and have one of those conversations where we go, what do you think it is? I love that. I mean, I love a good pour that sparks a conversation, and this one definitely sparks a conversation. Indeed. I think, I guess to me, my other thought was from... A blender side of things, I would assume, to have that many various notes and profiles in there, but also have them come across and kind of, I guess, jumping back to when we had, you know, that Booker's 30th where they had to completely rearrange the profile. I would assume that it's proof down to where it is was to tame nuances so that nothing was overly predominant. Yeah. And I, I think as a downside to that, though, you don't get a strong profile in any direction. You just kind of get a, um, a a passe kick in each one. That's fair. So what do you think overall on this one, then? I, I think it's a, a good pour. And depending on where folks are and their preference of bourbon, you're definitely going to see a ton of mixed reviews, and that's before we even talk about the price. As an intro to bourbon... I think that's a pretty fair game. Uh, you know, sub 100 proof, nice subtle flavors across the board that, you know, if someone hasn't ever tried to detect flavors, I think they would. I think they'd get the sweetness in there. They'd get a little bit of rye. They'd pick up on that tobacco or you could, you know, help them on to it. But so many folks being, you know, proof chasers or whatever are just wanting full flavored, so to speak. Maybe not even a proof as a number, but full flavored. It's dialed down to a degree where nothing jumps at you. And we honestly didn't have it with water or ice or anything along those lines. But 
I can't imagine diluting it any further. Is it really going to do it much benefit? You know, Zeke, it's one of those pours, though, that I think if you are stoly and you are going for a bourbon that is appealing to the masses, if this is the version of Kentucky Owl that is going to be their mainstay brand that everybody can have, this is exactly what I would have expected because it's not too hot. It's not too overwhelming in the the flavor profile that it's going to be off-putting for a novice bourbon drinker, but it's also nuanced and has enough different characteristics that it's going to get an experienced bourbon drinker to talk. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just kind of hit me like, if so to speak, um, Weller Special Reserve is an intro to bourbon, especially neat. Not necessarily for what it offers, but for what yes. it doesn't, how easy it is. I'd probably put this, this with Weller Antique. Well, yeah, I'd say this is stage two or three. This, yeah. this isn't basic entry, but at some point you have to turn the hat around or, or look at the side of the coin. And by coin, I mean wallet. Well, that's the other part of this, right? So this is a very, I think it's a very good pour. I think the the problem that people need to understand now with Kentucky Owl as a brand is, you know, Dixon blends it. And then that's where his participation in Kentucky Owl stops. So Dixon Deadman makes a hell of a blend. He has a hell of a palate. Anybody who's had anything that he's done whether or not it's a pick he's been on or whether or not it's something in Kentucky Owl, Dixon knows his stuff. Yeah, and the, the thing I, I'd, I'd heard that resonated the most was his goal for it was something that literally any consumer could plop down on the porch in a rocking chair, pour neat, sit there and enjoy. And if that's what he wanted, he I think he achieved. Uh, oh, yeah. Goal met. And so the problem I have is that this one is a very, very good pour, but at $130, is that what I want to spend $130 on? I couldn't in good conscience. And again, like John said, this is where there's a a definite line drawn in the sand. It it was blended by Dixon. He accomplished his goal. Once he's done with it, it goes to some other person inside of Stoli and... I mean, he may have some input, may not, but I would most likely lean toward the sides of not. Well, and people say that we get caught up on price a lot, and and maybe it's something that I have in my head, but if something is over $100, that to me means a lot. When you still get retail, George C. Stagg, William LaRue, all the other B-Tacks and and Pappies technically should be under $100 retail. Now, do stores always put them out under $100? No. But when something comes out with MSRP that is over $100, it's something that kind of makes me go, do we really think it's there? I will say if I found this at Costco for $99.99, I would probably buy a bottle. And it's just that mental thing for me that if I saw it at $129.99, it would be a bar. (laughs) But I've definitely seen it for like 150 or something like that. I, I probably wouldn't go that high. I'd probably keep it as a bar. But if I saw it under that three-digit price, it's like that Walmart effect. If I saw it at 99.99, I'm buying a bottle of this. If I well, saw it, you thought you were getting a deal. It, it's yeah, one of those things. A good deal. 
I am saving money on this product right now. This is 35% off what it should be. I'm getting one. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, <laughs> I talk myself into it because I'm like, hey, it's a good pour. It is a very good bottle. I'm going to enjoy this at some point, And I know I wouldn't be disappointed with a pour of this. And, you know, I see that side, but at the same time, especially no more pronounced or just completely unique as the profile is. It's still in the the good to very good daily drinker for me category. I mean, I guess there's people that consume less than you and I, I'm sure. But in the daily to very good daily drinker category, our budgets are never going to accommodate that price, even at the Costco deal. So would you get this at a bar? I would recommend folks that are on the fence to try it at a bar, especially for the price. Because it, it does have a very unique profile and it offers some very interesting aspects. But at the price point, it's just really hard to stomach. And, you know, we always hate when something comes down to that because it should be about the juice, not the wallet. But at the end of the day, we all got bills to pay. Well, from the dad side of us that evaluates things from dads with families and stuff like that, people forget that that's our lens of how we're looking at everything. It's like... Am I paying for the zoo membership for a year or am I getting another bottle of bourbon? And, <laughs> you know, from the dad side of thing, I'm not getting it at 130. But I, I would strongly recommend this if you have the income and can spend 130 bucks on a bottle, get it. Mentally, I would get it if it was 99.99. I think people would probably love to see a mass-produced item something like this at like 80 but i think if this is 99.99 i'm getting it other than that i'm saying get it at a bar i would say even if you have the income try it at the bar first make sure it's your cup of tea we all have our own palates and at that price point i would say nine times out of ten even if i love it i'm gonna say try it at the bar first especially Anything near a hundred bucks. The funny thing about this is, I will tell you, as at the price, I I kind of was prejudiced against this as we were going in. I'm like, man, it's 130 bucks for this. Owl itself is is a little bit more expensive. Is it going to be worth it? And then I had it, and I'm like, man, this stuff's good. Shit, like th- that's kind of the way I I felt about it. But I'm still not buying it at 130. I just I was like, shit, this is really good. No, it's an impressive blend. I'll, I'll give them credit, and you know, even to relate it towards uh, you know Saffle, maybe it being 49.99 for a 375. You know, you're still kind of close, but at least technically around that hundred dollar mark for what would be a 750. And I'm I'm with you, and I think countless other people are. Once they see three digits in front of those two decimals, everybody gets a little squirrely and squeamish. Yep. I think that's why Costco price, I'm 100% in. (laughs) Anyways, before this is over, I really want to thank the good folks over at Soy and Kentucky Owl for sending us this sample over. You can tell by the way we talk. Whether or not they send it to us or whether or not someone else sends it to us, it has no effect on our final review. But thank you, thank you for sending this over to us. Much agreed. Even more laughable. We honestly had no clue this was coming. As you can tell, John mentioned earlier, both uh, Todd Smith and Craig McKinney 
offered to send us samples of this so we could cover it. And we had no clue it was showing up till John uh, pings me one day. Uh, I got some package I had to sign for. It's, it's in a box and something. And it's from Stoy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, new peach flavored vodka? <laughs> but no, thank you guys very much at Stoy. Thank you, Dixon Deadman, for sending this our way. By the way, go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Follow us on your favorite podcast provider, which I'm assuming you already have. Please like us and leave us a five-star review or whatever review you feel is fair, just like we would give a fair review to anybody else. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Go Nashville, Tennessee, as long as this uh, pollen count subsides at some point. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go into quarantine. Well, I will just tell you, find us in Nashville, Tennessee. Our door is open. We don't want your money. We want you to come and share some pours with us. We'd love to sit down and talk to you and share pours and just share experiences because bourbon is all about fellowship. And as long as you don't pronounce words worse than I do, hell, we can put you on the show. Hell yeah. Cheers. (laughs) Ciao.